everybody. Welcome to Away Games, a Chicago Cubs podcast hosted by two comedians who live in New York uh, but love the Cubs nonetheless. Today, I am just one of them. I'm Adam Mamawala. Uh, I am in New York, but I am here with Ken Schultz, who loves the Cubs and lives in Chicago. That's even better. And I'm also on Ken's podcast. We're doing two podcasts at once. What's going on? That's possible in this world, in these unprecedented times? My God, yes. I think so. This is also the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, the Outsports Baseball podcast hosted by one comedian who loves the Cubs and lives in Chicago. So how about that? <laughs> That's true. There's no, there's no one for you to argue with if you, if you have to show by yourself. <laughs> oh, I have White Sox fans on all the time, so there are plenty oh, of people boy. to argue with, believe me. Well, I, I have to tell you, so we're recording this on Wednesday, whatever the hell today is. What is it? July, June, I said July, June yeah, 9th. It's June yeah. 9th. It's uh, July 9th and the Cubs are in first place by 20 games. How about that? That sounds wonderful to me. Uh, at, you know, Kevin and I usually, we, we vary between, like, do we record on Tuesday? Do we record on Wednesday? I am happy that you and I are recording today after what can only be described as an immensely enjoyable Cubs victory uh, very late last night. It's always, I guess it's a little less late for you in Chicago, but, like, watching the Cubs till 1 or one thirty <laughs> in the morning, I have such a sense memory of what that felt like as a kid, always watching them lose and still being up that late on a school night and being like, why do I do this to myself? Uh, it's always extra satisfying when they win one of those games that you're like barely staying awake for. It, it does make a huge difference because either way you are about to crash. Uh, so it's yeah. like you're crashing with either the feeling of I have just wasted the past three hours and now there's no time ahead of me before I have a very fitful sleep. Or it's like, yeah, I got rewarded for being one of the few to stay up this late. And yeah. especially on a, a road trip like this one too, where it felt like for the majority of the time, really leading up until yesterday, it felt like one of those, uh, I almost want to comp it to that one that you saw in person a few years ago where they went oh for the West Coast and you were there for like four, uh, six games. Yeah, it was seven, 2017. And uh, yeah, I saw the Cubs get swept in uh, LA against the Dodgers. And then I drove to San Diego to watch the Cubs <laughs> lose on Memorial Day. You, you are seeing them get swept in at least beautiful settings. So there is that, I guess, that you can kind of take in your surroundings. Yeah, it was pretty. nice. The uh, The San Diego game was weird because it was a game where like Hendricks for the first three innings looked like he was going to throw a perfect game and then just kind of lost it. But uh, what I really remember is just how salty Padres fans were, uh, like in, in a way that I didn't realize because I'm not old enough to like remember the history back to, to 84, really. But like what I remember most was the guy sitting next to me was like, Oh, it's a pretty new looking uh, Cubs hat. You and it's like, yeah, because it has a world series logo because they were in the world series last year. That's what <laughs> happens when your team wins the world series, you buy a bunch of shit. Yeah. And it costs like what? 25 bucks. So, you know, it's, it's, it's okay yeah. to spend that money on your team occasionally. It, it's such a weird salty thing too, for Padres fans, because yeah, it, it does go back to 84 when they kind of had the also and the rest status of that series, because it was, the yeah. first Cubs playoff series in 39 years and everybody around the world outside of San Diego was all Cubs all the time, but it's weird to be so they won. <laughs> yeah. You won. You won in an excruciatingly <laughs> painful way. Like yeah. if anybody has reason to be bitter, it would be us for 39 years after the, the Leon Durham play and Sutcliffe giving up a three, nothing lead after, I mean, five-year-old me was in tears and I barely knew what <laughs> baseball was at that point. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I guess partly because Cub fans take over their ballpark on a regular basis. And we all, I mean, we both have firsthand experience with that with, I mean, myself up in Milwaukee several times and you going down to Philly when they take over there. I mean, that, that tends to make fans angry regardless of extenuating circumstances. So I'm sure that factors into it. But again, 
1984 is a glorious Padre year, and 84 for the Cubs is one that ends, it's it's joyful, and then it ends very sadly. Like, well, I, oh, I think I, yeah, If you want a detail I, about this, like, mm-hmm. the, after the 84 season, the Cubs put out a highlight video called Cubs Win that I absolutely wore out as a kid. Like, I'd watch it every couple months, because it was just, you know, Cub Joy, the Sandberg game, and Bobby Dernier and Gary Matthews, all these incredible highlights. And it, it worked in uh, pop songs from 1984 to, to underlie the highlights. So would you like to guess the pop song they chose for the last three games of the Padres series that year? Gosh, I could not even fathom a guess. Sunday, Bloody Sunday by U2. Oof. Yeah, that's uh, maybe taking it a bit far. But but any anytime yeah. I hear those opening chords off of the edges of the guitar for that, my immediate mental picture is the ball going through Leon Durham's legs because it's indelibly associated with that. Oh, my man. Mind, which I'm sure is exactly what Bono meant when he wrote the song. Absolutely. That's, I think the song was specifically written about the Cubs, was it? Yeah. Not? Yeah. There, there are deleted lyrics that you're about Jim Fry. Why don't you pitch Sutcliffe in game four? And <laughs> why not put Lee Smith in earlier? That's it's, on the B side, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's they're surprised. I mean, they were the Eddie Vedder of their day. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, as a as a friendly reminder, you can you can follow us for all of our U two slash Bono slash Edge slash Eddie Vedder takes at Away Games Pod, and uh, you can follow Ken at uh, Ken underscore Schultz. Is that Ken Schultz underscore? I have no idea. Ah, damn it! And underscore Schultz is. It might be my nemesis, the flying fool, comedic juggler, who every time I went to like a new club, like in Dayton. They'd somehow decide they'd put his bio on the website rather than mine. So is it just so? So to be clear, it is Ken Schultz underscore. But yeah. I, I do believe that if we look up Ken underscore uh, and Ken under what is it called? Underscore. Underscore. I just said under Schultz. <laughs> under Schultz is a whole different show that we're not even going to get into. But that's Ken that, underscore uh, Schultz, I believe. The outsports. I believe yeah. to be. I believe to be just you with like a goatee wearing a cardinal shirt. It's just evil. <laughs> it's evil Ken. Bizarro Ken Schultz from the Star Trek Mirror Mirror episode. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Go, Mark McGuire. I love Yachty. Yes. Oh I am goodness. the best fan in baseball. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, let's you, go you back talk to present day, yeah. huh? Yeah, uh, let's go back to present day. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, Patrick Wisdom is going to be a big part of this conversation, but. Uh, here's the thing. The Cubs have historically never fared that well on these West Coast trips, it seems. Like, I, I have very few memories of the Cubs, like, ever winning a series in Colorado. I feel like I have mostly bad memories of them playing almost anywhere else on the West Coast. Like, I, I really do just, I can I can f- remember the feeling of, like, just sadly turning off my TV at my parents' house after watching the Cubs on WGN Superstation get walked off when it was, like, 1.40 in the morning being like, I have to be up for high school at in four hours. Like, what what am I doing here? Um, so a frustrating set against the, the Giants, obviously a nice kind of, you know, rebound there to, to take that last game and then and then a split thus far in San Diego. But what are your thoughts over the past week as we've seen the Cubs kind of come out of their extreme, like, riding high phase? This feels like one of those road trips where it's one of those, if you keep your head above water at the end, it'll feel like a win. So the fact that they've taken two of the uh, seven games, while not obviously incredible, at least it's not the most catastrophic result possible. And they're not going to be losing a grip on first place because of this. I think the worst they could be is what, a game or a game and a half behind Milwaukee if they lose today. Yeah, I feel Um, like that might have been a Freudian slip to say two out of uh, 
or I, two out of seven because that presumes that the Cubs will in fact right. uh, lose yeah, today. I, yeah, we, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's Arietta Darvish, let's yeah, be honest. We will dive deeply into this upcoming game this Wednesday afternoon in a second here. But I mean, that is the worst case scenario is, is the two sure. out of seven. And, and if it's right. three out of seven, honestly, it's going to feel like, I mean, man, that that's almost exactly what I wanted out of this. Because you figure going into the road trip, coming off of after a month's run that they had in May, that eventually they're going to hit a cold snap and it would presumably be on a West coast trip with the two best teams in the league right now, because record wise, that is the case. Uh, so that giant series to me felt like almost like, yeah, that's exactly what I expected is going to happen. That, that especially with no off day going into it, they're going to run into a pitching buzzsaw over and over. Eventually the decent starting pitching they're going to get is probably going to go away for a little while. And the offense might slump back again. And that was pretty much that entire series. So, I mean, they essentially got saved from being swept by the joy of Patrick Wisdom and Kyle Hendricks not being incredible, but stepping up when they needed him to. But that was kind of as expected. And my fear was then, okay, we're going to go into San Diego and San Diego is still smarting from getting swept last week. And they're really going to take it to them. And after that first game of that series, that's exactly how it played out. So I think the performance by Zach Davies last night, uh, even in a week where Patrick Wisdom has been so just insanely brilliant, like that one really stands out to me because that was completely unexpected. I, it, the Padres series on paper looked like, you know, Advert going in the first game, that's our best shot to win. And if they don't win, it might be one of those, yeah, just kind of got to deal with these two awful pitching matchups for the rest of the series and kind of grit our teeth and assume we're going to get swept. So the fact that they stepped up in such a dramatic way last night uh, was really, really impressive. It really was, and and I don't necessarily put too much stock into this, but, like, Zach Davies also got traded. Like, people forget that that was part of the Darvish trade in the sense that, like, yeah, the Padres also said, like, we're getting rid of you. And, of course, I don't think any pitcher in the world would take it personally if they are part of a trade that gets that team. You, Darvish, if anything, is probably a compliment. But you do tend to see guys pitch a little better against... Uh, teams that they were just traded from. I feel like that is a, it, it might be something that's not actually statistically true, but always feels like that's the case that people really up their game uh, against, against former teams. But yeah, other than the game that I was at in St. Louis, that Sunday night game where, where bias hit the game winning home run. Like I think last night is probably up there with Davies best appearances as a cup. Yeah. I would venture to say that in a sport where obviously there's 162 games and your life essentially revolves around doing the same thing over and over and over and over again for six months. If you have one of those games where you have that little extra bit of, I guess, self-amping, which is probably not an expression anyone's ever used, but it mm -hmm. it kind of applies to that situation. If you, you can kind of get yourself up a little bit more for that, then chances are you're probably going to have a better performance that night if your stuff is there. And Zach Davies' stuff certainly was there last night. And honestly, one of the best parts about it too was that he went six because I, has he gone six at all this year? Um, in that game against the Cardinals, I believe he did, but yeah, it's been, it's been few and far between. He also got robbed of a double by a very yeah. nice running play by Tommy Pham. Yeah. It would have been like the first hit of the game too. And, and the way lament was going after the first three innings, it was like, you know, he could keep this going for a while. And that one might be the highlight of, Oh yeah, that was the closest they got to hitting him in six innings. Well, so. yeah, to have beaten lament, twice in the past week and a half is, is not something that you would have expected going into those games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I really felt like Lament and Darvish that, it, I mean, in my mind, once they lost that first game, the probability of a sweep felt like about 90%. Uh, and as has happened in the past, when I met my most negative, they quite often say, you know, that's not how baseball works.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I'm almost at a loss for words with Patrick Wisdom. And it's like, we could also be watching something that's like when Shane Spencer came up for the Yankees or Aquino with the Reds or, or anybody else who like comes up, just has this amazing hot streak. And then the league makes adjustments and they turn out to be like, okay, or they're back in the minors. But for right now, looking at what has happened, which is eight home runs in God, I don't know how many at bats, but we're talking about somebody who's OPSing just a number that's not even real. And mm -hmm. I mean, more home runs in this, or, or I think tied for the most home runs in his first 10 major league games in baseball history. Is that right? Yeah, that's, 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 that's about right. Yeah. It, it's uh, did you see the graphic the Cubs put out when they announced he was player of the week with his stats from the past week? I wrote I them did, down. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a week where he hit 435 with six homers and nine RBI. That'll play. Uh, his ops is uh, 1.719. <laughs> and a weighted runs created plus, where, as a reminder, league average is 100. Weighted runs created plus of 354. Yeah, that'll work. That's a nice little week. I'd be okay with that. You know, I, I'm not as much of a stat head as some people, but I, I believe those to be good. Yeah. That's, that, those are good, right? Yeah, that, that's a week that Barry Bonds looks at and goes, oh, shit, I better go back to the horse uh Horse hormone. Couldn't, couldn't get it out. Oh, man. It was, it was the perfect ad lib, and, and it got stuck in my mind. Ugh. Oh, that's all right. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. And, and like, who knows how sustainable it is? Of course, like, no, these numbers are not sustainable, even yeah. for Mike Trout. So so things are going to I'm going to put on my stat head to some degree. Uh, cap here and yeah. say it's not. Yeah, especially when your, your BABIP is, like, 500. But... Um, <laughs> What but, what do you see for Patrick Wisdom in terms of like how how does he fit into this team's future if he does and and like once everybody is healthy again, um, you're not you're just not sending down a guy who's doing that no, no right. matter what. So well, what do you see his ceiling being like? Do you see him as like a David Bodie type where he's going to like eventually just be a good part of a major league team or what are you seeing with Wisdom? I mean, baseball history tells you that it's almost definitely going to be like a David Bodie type where he'll have that great little run for a while until the league kind of figures out whatever adjustments he's made. But I mean, we are in an era where that doesn't necessarily have to be the answer. And when I look at the skill set he brings in terms of the deep counts he sees in every single at bat and the raw power he's got certainly, uh, and I'm not yeah. saying at all that this is going to be what he is, but I look at what he does to the plate and the incredible results he's getting after making adjustments in the minor leagues and I think, man, wouldn't it be nice if we had our Max Muncy? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what we can dream on here. Not to mention the fact that like the dude's got a cannon of an arm at third base. My God. Like, yeah. I didn't realize that was part of the profile right yesterday. That, uh, I mean, that was, it's, it's hard to make the best play at third base when you're playing in the same ballpark as Manny Machado. But last night was the case where he absolutely pulled it off. Yeah, that would have been a game where if I were a Padres fan, and we've experienced this as Cubs fans, where you're like, how many hard hit balls are going to go right at somebody? Yep. Like, yeah. the Cubs definitely got a little lucky last night. I mean, there were two double plays that were just balls that were drilled right at someone. Yeah, early on, especially in that first inning where it, where it felt like, yeah, the ball off every bat was just the hardest possible hard contact directly at someone. So yeah. that did factor into Zach Davies' good outing. Like, as he was figuring his stuff out in that first, he had the best possible luck. But nonetheless, once they got past that first four – four or five batters. I mean, he gave up one hit after that and, and figured out the changeup and settled in incredibly well. But yeah, you are absolutely right that luck uh, did play a factor. 
Yeah, but and it's cool to see wisdom because like this this has very much been the year of of seeing pitchers come up and Thanks. and making an impact and being really excited about that because that has not been the mo of this team for years. Um, but to now see it from the other side of the plate is super satisfying. And uh, I mean, listen, the the guys if, right now, if he continues even at a fraction of this pace, he's in the conversation for rookie of the year just by what he started to do in the first two weeks oh, of yeah. his career. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and at the very least, um, if the Cubs continue to contend for the entire season, he's had a moment now where he's come up and essentially been as I mentioned kind of at the start when we talked about the, the road trip in general, he's been the guy that kept them above water during a week where uh, Chris Bryant has been okay, but hasn't been, you know, the super, super hot KB that he's been the first two months. And during a time where Rizzo has not homered from, um, since May 2nd up until last night. So having someone come up and put up this ungodly slash line for a week has been a real shot in the arm for them. Speaking of shots in the arm, how about Eric Sogard? Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see Anthony Rizzo go on one of his Rizzo streaks after that, especially the way he hit that home run last night to the opposite field. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he he is one of those people, not as much as Jock Peterson, but he does kind of hit in bunches, and Absolutely. it would not surprise me to see, well, it would surprise me off Darvish, but like in the next week or so, it would not surprise me to see Rizzo have like a, a two-homer game at some point. Yeah, and, and to be clear, Rizzo has not been bad offensively over the past month either. He's no. actually been very, very good in terms of his advanced numbers. He's just doing it without home runs with uh, a lot of a lot of well-timed base hits and, and a good number of doubles mixed in too. Uh, so it's not like yeah. he's been in any kind of slump. It's just that his hot streak, for some reason, the ball hasn't gone over the wall. And the only thing that I've kind of picked up on, and I don't know how much, if at all, the numbers back me up on this. This is just from pure observation. But the only difference that I see with Rizzo uh, over the past month is that it feels like he is not driving the first pitch of at-bats the way he usually does when he's really locked in. And that, I think, could be a combination of him still the power uh, timing just isn't there yet. And also, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure he's getting pitched with the first pitch of the at-bats in a way that he typically does. Because it feels like a lot of pitchers are starting him off with sliders and change-ups and breaking balls low and away mostly in the first pitch and every now and again sneaking a fastball in. And uh, he does get a lot of his home run power from hitting the first, uh, from crushing first pitches and ambushing guys. So well, and that could be the league making an adjustment even to somebody who's been around for a long time right. in the sense that like if he ambushes the first pitch a lot, if it's a fastball, they're just not going to throw him one. Yeah, we, we have the data that, that clearly has proven that over his entire career. So it, it wouldn't be surprising to see that kind of go around that okay, this is the adjustment we're making to your approach. And it's kind of the opposite of the way KB is adjusted this year, where uh, in past years, he was almost always a deep count guy, but this year he's swinging it substantially more pitches early in the count and his power has gone up tremendously because of it. Right. Well, and seeing a lot of pitches isn't necessarily a good thing. They showed a graphic last night that was that, you know, Ian Happ is seeing, uh, is up there in, in terms of league leaders in seeing the most pitches and he's taking his walks, but like, I don't, think Ian Happ is particularly happy about how his season is going thus far. He's hitting under 200. Yeah. Now seeing a lot of pitches is an approach that makes logical sense almost all the time. But when you're going up against quite literally the best pitching across the sport in baseball history, you probably don't want to see a bunch of 97, 98 miles an hour fastballs mixed with, uh, let's say exterior aided sliders and curveballs talking about spider tech uh, could be yeah yeah again it's early didn't pop into my mind the name but yeah 
no, no as, as they would say in the compound and no free plugs. So yeah, exactly. No free ads, no free ads. But, uh, yeah. Have, have you, uh, seen the, uh, kind of to transition off that for a second. Have you seen the story about Trevor Bauer's last start? I have not. So since MLB has just announced that umpires are going to be kind of given the authority, more authority to just randomly check pitchers that they have suspicions about mm-hmm. on the field. Uh, Trevor Bauer, a real, a real stop and frisk sort of situation. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, uh, Fucking Bloomberg is now going to be MLB commissioner. <laughs> Ugh. Could you? That might be the the one worse choice than Rob Manfred. But uh, <laughs> but Trevor Bauer in his last start, uh, his spin rate was down at least three hundred RPM, like his from like his maximum uh, highest spin rate pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, huh, that's an interesting little number, isn't it? I would say that it is, but yeah. I mean, according to Trevor Bauer, he is, uh, he is, he's not part of the problem. He's part of the solution. Yes. That, that, that is the new Bauer fanboy talking point is that he's actually been doing this to tell baseball that this is the problem. And he's using himself as an example to let us all know that this is a league wide issue. And, uh, I think the, uh, the writer Howard Bryant had the best, possible response to one fanboy who was trying to make that argument was which was okay yeah so what about bonds then yeah what about bonds indeed mm-hmm. i don't know that bauer would have an answer to that yeah what about bonds by the way is my least favorite bill murray movie but that's a different subject <laughs> uh, what about bob is a great movie i haven't thought about yeah. that in a oh long it's time. yeah it's phenomenal um so yeah and and so we've got the final um uh, final game of this three gamer with the padres today and it fascinates me to think about this, that two years ago, pretty much to this particular week, actually, um, in 2019, was Jake Arrieta's first start back in Wrigley Field as a Philadelphia Philly, going up that night against, I don't know if you remember, you Darvish. Mm-hmm. And that was an, I remember at a time well. where you was still trying to find himself again as a pitcher. And I remember our feeling going into that one that night was, you know, it's going to be an incredibly emotional night welcoming Jake back. We're going to be all up in our feelings. And I just hope you find enough stuff to compete and keep the game close. That was our <laughs> feeling going into that one. And yeah. now today, Jake Arietta going for the Cubs against you, Darvish, uh, for the Padres. And it's a complete role reversal. Oh, very much so. And I mean, you think about the fact that um, when the Cubs did sign Darvish, that was after the 17 season and we were all, we wanted them to resign Arietta. They didn't, they, they spent a bunch of money on Darvish and in retrospect, that was, that could not have been a better decision. Like mm-hmm. I, I think, I think that Jake was not helped by being in Philadelphia. Like I think there was some stuff going on there uh, in terms of like how they handle pitchers and also just having really shitty defense yeah. that didn't do, do him a lot of favors, but like, you look at where each of these guys are at in their careers right now, and it's not even a discussion. Yeah, and today, I mean, as I say, it, the feeling now going into this one is, yeah, Jake, just try to keep us in this one as best you can. Maybe only give up three or four runs. Maybe exactly. don't puke before the game. Maybe get the vax. That'd be nice. That'd uh, be nice, too. Yeah, yeah. and because, yeah, we figure, we figure Darvish is just going to dominate uh, because that's, again, what he's done pretty much since day one of this year. And it would be nice to have a pitcher like that again, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's very much the sort of thing where it's like, if you can somehow run up Darvish's pitch count a bit, maybe scrape across like a run 
and Jake gives us the the typical gives us the old Steve Traxel <laughs> and gives us six innings and gives up three runs. Like, yeah, then then maybe you can get to the San Diego bullpen. And also, baseball is weird, so maybe Darvish gets knocked around and Jake looks like old Jake because nothing makes any sense ever, and anyone who bets on baseball is an idiot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun matchup regardless, and uh, I'm I'm excited to watch it. And just because you said that, and it's the way my brain works, I feel like at this point I have to sing old Steve Traxel, that old Steve Traxel. He must pitch something, but he's not pitching nothing. Yeah. All right. Again, <laughs> shouldn't be improvising at 930 in the morning. What am I doing? No, I think you should be improvising more. This is this is the kind of stuff that our, <laughs> that our regular away game, uh, game listeners do not get from myself and Kevin. Yes, yes. You need more bases on your podcast. <laughs> we can work a very white song into this before the day, day is over. My day will usually be- when you're talking about when, you, when you're talking about bases on a baseball podcast, that's usually not the, uh, no. the meaning that you're going for. But yeah, I like it. yeah, yeah. You get a you get a Kenyon College Chamber Singer alum, and sometimes that's what you get. I might be. Oh my up. God! Can we start an acapella group that is baseball themed called Bases Loaded? B a s s e s. Yes. Is this not yes. the best idea I've ever had? Oh God! Yes. I mean, the booking for the seventh inning stretch is right there after after. The example Boog Shambi is set for all of us. It turns out you don't Ooh, need to get any notes. Yeah. Oh God. Um, I. It seems almost impossible for someone whose voice is so good in another capacity to be that tone deaf. And yeah. he did preface it by saying, "Just because I have a good speaking voice doesn't mean I have a good singing voice." Um, side note: What do you what do you think about Boog thus far? Do you like him? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I've I've quite enjoyed the the uh, I guess mindset he brings to the broadcast where it is very lighthearted is it's a very light touch and gets silly quite a bit because that's mm-hmm. kind of the direction i wanted to go with jd in general it plays to his strengths a lot uh the one criticism i have of boog is that he's still a little too espn for a cubs home broadcast like i wouldn't mind it if he got a little more excited in the most exciting moments like it, it feels like he's still kind of being a bit of a national announcer he's He's raising right. his voice and uh, kind of upping his, the timber of his voice appropriately, but it still feels like he's kind of holding back any sense that he's wanting the Cubs to do well. Uh, like, for example, I think like the Javi Baez game-tying home run against the Dodgers in extra innings of, of that doubleheader, where uh, I went nuts watching it and watching the highlights. Like, yeah, I mean, you got excited, but that's I, I kind of want a little more. In, in moments like that? I actually, I, I'm really glad you said that because I, I like Boog. I think he's very good. Of course, I miss Len Casper, but I, I think Boog is doing a great job. But there was a moment over the weekend that was like, I, I actually rewound it like three or four times because it was so bizarre to me. Now, to be fair, again, these guys, they don't get to travel with the team. So they're not in the ballpark, which frankly, I think at this point, like if people are vaccinated and like they can do it safely, I, I feel like it's time to let announcers go to stadiums with people. Like I don't I don't see that as being something that's that dangerous to do but that's a whole another discussion but anyway there was a play where ian happ threw an absolute laser home and and threw out uh, a run coming around i think it's maybe posey or somebody coming around to score and it was like the best throw i've ever seen happ make in his career just on a line mm-hmm. and boob just goes and he's out at home like yeah. there was no, no energy to it there was nothing and then it just went to commercial and i was like Am I crazy for being as excited as like that was a big moment in that game? That was the game on on Sunday that like if they give up that fourth run, maybe they don't even win that game, and it just kind of came and went as like all right, and now here's a, an ad for you know, Meineke. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, and especially because you don't you don't expect that play out to be in half. Like no, God no. Yeah, you you expect at this point competence in the outfield from Ian Happ, but if he gives you anything extra, it's like okay, today's a special day. And, and that might have been the best throw of his career. Right, right. You don't really think of him as having that kind of Kyle Schwarber arm either. And I, I think what you said about it broadcasting from Wrigley from a game in San Francisco probably has something to do with it. Uh, to be fair to Boog, because you only have kind of the monitor in front of you to see what's happening, and you can only kind of choose one of the one of the monitors they're watching to really get a sense. Of what's going on so I, i'm sure when you have like the entire field and the entire play spreading out before you you can kind of as a professional play-by-play guy kind of mentally prepares you see that okay timing wise you see the trajectory of the throw and the runner it looks like they'll be arriving at the same time so you have the time to kind of raise your voice to meet the moment whereas when you're seeing it on a monitor you probably only have like the throw and then you only see that it's going to meet the runner at the same time right. that it arrives at the catcher. So in that particular moment, you can like go nuts or I guess probably that was just kind of reflexivity. Like he held back until he saw it was the play, made the call, and then uh, there wasn't anywhere to go from there, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not completely dissimilar to like how I feel as a, as a comic, like doing Zoom shows. It's like, yeah, I'm still yeah. a professional. I still like know how to do my job, but there is something that's lost when you're doing something in that way. And I, I'm sure for people in, in that world, they've never called games like this before. And it's, and it's challenging. I mean, he was even talking about the fact that on that crazy uh, hobby play against the pirates, he didn't even see Wilson coming around to score until it was happening and then kind of reacted in real time with all of us. And by the way, that was a very good call yes. on that play. Um, and that was, it actually kind of worked out better because it was like, we were all collectively, figuring out what the hell was going on simultaneously. Exactly, yeah. And in that particular moment, the limited view you had actually upped the drama for it because uh, uh, until Wilson came into view and slid across the plate, I, it was it felt like, okay, this is just Javi being goofy and eventually they're going to figure out how to retire him and the inning will be over. I mean, this is fun to watch, but this doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. And then all of a sudden, Wilson speeds into view, crosses the plate, Javi signals him safe, and at that point, like <laughs> just watching it from home, my voice went up three octaves, like, oh my God, what is, what just happened? <laughs> and then somehow went up another two into like Mariah Carey territory when Javi managed to get in safe at first and they overthrew him again. So yeah, but, I mean, that was a beautiful call because both, I mean, Boog and JD at the heart are both really, really professional about what they do. Mm -hmm. They're really, really good at kind of turning the moment into words but both of them, like, because that was such a bizarre, crazy, unheard of, unprecedented thing for any ball player to do and to succeed at, like, you both saw that that kind of broke their minds in the best possible way. Like, all they could say is, oh, my God, uh, you've got to be kidding me. Like, the, within two yeah. seconds, they were echoing each other. You've got to be kidding me. And, yeah. I, and I love how JD at the end was like, keep going, keep going. Perfect. Yeah, well, you're because invisible. it's so rare. Yeah. It's so rare in baseball. Uh, just how old the sport is to see something that like you truly have never seen before. Not like you've never seen it in any form. It's, it's quite literally never happened. And that's the thing about Javi, which this is, this is going to be a very lofty comparison. Uh, and I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. I remember in you, the way you talk about like wearing out that 1984, uh, you know, VHS tape. I watched every Michael Jordan video there ever was Michael Jordan's playground and come mm -hmm. fly with me yep. and all of those things just again and again and again. And I remember there was this quote from Magic Johnson where he said, like, like, 
Michael Jordan could be 0 for 25, but you're going to keep watching the game because that one for 26 might be the best shot you've ever seen in basketball. And that's how Javi is. Like, Mm -hmm. even if he's 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, you're going to watch that fifth at bat because he might do something that has quite literally never happened in baseball. Yeah. I believe in the box score from that Pirates game, he was 0 for 5. So on the page, yeah, it looks like he did nothing at all. But that is, I mean, that is going to be the Javi Baez signature moment of this year. And one of the team signature moments, especially if they happen to make the postseason, like that's that's going to be the. And from that point forward, like I was rooting so hard for the Cubs to win that particular game because Kendricks kind of kept giving up solo home runs, and it felt like no, no, don't blow this one. This is the right. game we're going to look back at the end of the year, and I want it to be the happiest possible moment, and thankfully it was. But I mean, that's going to be the Javi Baez game from 2021, even though he took an O for that night, and that's just his particular genius, honestly. I mean, he really is. Uh, I mean, he, even he's using the phrase, I, I like to improv on the field. And, you know, when, <laughs> when you're dropping, like, whose line is it anyway references yourself as, as I mean, that's, that's just brilliant, man. The improv scene in Chicago is so strong, even the baseball players do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that is the yes and play. It, it very much is. Now, so looking forward, obviously, we talked about we've got the Arietta Darvish matchup today. Then the Cubs finally have an off day, which I'm sure they could all use. Yep. Um, and then they're home for a brief a brief stretch. We've got three games against the Cardinals, which will be at full capacity. I don't know how you feel about that, but like it is going to be exciting to watch a, a, a game that's that loud. And it's you can as much as there's been bad behavior throughout sports and, and you know, fans running onto the court and crazy shit in, in the NBA. Like it is really, really fun to see. And hear the kind of crowds that are like, I know you're not a big NBA guy, but like to see crowds be coming back um, and the energy there and the same, it's already been that way at Wrigley, even with limited capacity. So I think it is kind of cool that this is going to coincide with the Cubs having a huge series against the the Cardinals, including wearing those funky uniforms, including Mm -hmm. a Sunday night baseball game. Um, And then after that, there's four in New York, which uh, I know Kevin will be possibly going to all four. Um, I'm going to probably like two or three of them. And uh, I, I have no doubt that I will be yelled at by Mets fans, but you know what? I've, I've missed being around anybody and, and I, I can, I can, I can take it. I, I said that in St. Louis when I was there, like this guy was kind of ribbing me and I was like, man, it feels really good to talk shit in person again, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. You, you even missed the abuse after a year. Yeah. I, I definitely exactly. get that. Yeah. I'll be going to the Saturday night game myself, uh, the Cardinals. Oh, series. great. So, yeah. So I feel good enough about full capacity that I'll be there for one of them. Hell yeah. uh, well, look, yeah. I mean, that's why we got vaccinated, right? Right. So right. we could start doing things again. Yeah, this is this is the, hey, the world is opening up a little bit. And, you know, I feel confident enough at this point, I guess, to, yeah. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> that might be the kind of thing that we look at a couple months down the line and go, yeah, that's, that is, uh, might, might be where I went wrong. Uh, but well, for now, let's hope not. Yeah, let, let's not have this be played back as part of the opening 20 minutes of the horror movie. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I certainly, I've been to two so far with, uh, the first one was the, the John Lester, Kyle Schwarber return, which even with 11,000 in the park, uh, being there for all of that emotion that night and hearing the, how loud it got for the, the ovation they gave Lester after they took him out. I mean, that was still, even with that small capacity, felt like, yeah, this is really, really nice. This touches a genuine emotional spot in me right now. And, uh, and yeah. just kind of have, hopefully have uh, the entire park there uh, to kind of meet that moment again for this coming week. That's hopefully going to be another kind of moment where it's like, yeah, just kind of file that away in the sense memory going forward and just try to remember mm-hmm. how this felt like. 
Um, I am a little bit cautious just because the Cardinals have been so bad over the past week, and it feels like they can't be this awful as a team, even with the injuries they've had. So they, I, I, I worry a little bit about them kind of finding it a little bit for a big series with the Cubs again, especially after dropping two or three in their park. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be really just a phenomenal time to be there. And as far as New York goes, um, the Cubs, and I don't know if you know this, since I moved out of New York City, have not lost a game at City Field. So I, I do know that. I don't think it has anything to do with you leaving, uh, but I do think that, I mean, you and I did get to witness some particularly non, not fun. I mean, there was the 4th of July where Lester had maybe the worst start of his career. Um, I believe the Cubs got swept that series. But yeah, I've, I've been fortunate in the past couple years, not including last year, of course. Um, I think I've been to, I don't know, at least like six or out of those seven games. Like I... The year that the Cubs swept that four-game set, I was at all of them, and and Kevin and I got to see Javi steal home, which was pretty great. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, I believe I went to all three. That included the Cubs, like just beating the shit out of Noah Syndergaard. There was the Caratini homering twice off of Degrom game, which seems like borderline <laughs> impossible. I know the Cubs do get Degrom next Wednesday, so that'll be interesting. But well, they're going to um, hang a tent yeah, on them and know what's going on. So exactly, exactly. Um, while I do miss you being in New York, if 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 you leaving means that the Cubs will never lose again in New York, I, I, I feel like it's almost worth the sacrifice. Yeah, I will happily take one for the team in that instance, if that's the case. I, I Yeah, I, there is. I mean, I know this is completely illogical and stupid, but there is a part of my mind that goes, yeah, I want to come back and go to games with you guys when they go to Queens on a road trip. But I kind of want them to lose one game first to make sure it's not me. <laughs> Well, if they if they sweep the series again and beat Degrom, I, I think you're officially banned from City. Right. Yeah. And then okay, great. I, I get it, Cubs. And there are, there are worse fates. There yeah. are worse fates than than never being allowed to go to a Mets game again. Yeah. I'll I'll take going to more games at Wrigley if that's the case, and seeing hopefully uh, as many wins as I've seen over the past couple of years. Uh, yeah. I, I do want to see. Trade. You did briefly mention uh, the City Connect unis, and I did want to bring those up with you as well. Uh, what are your thoughts, honestly, on how they look? Initially, I wasn't like, when I just saw the jerseys themselves, I was like, eh, you know, they're fine. And then seeing some of the, the Cubs promotional materials with players wearing them and, and the videos they put together, like, they are pretty cool. Like, I, I, I actually, I'm kind of I'm kind of digging them. So I think it'll be fun to, to see everybody wearing them. I like that the, I think it's the cleats have like every single neighborhood in Chicago listed, which I think is a really nice touch. But yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, when the uh, when Twitter blew up on them, when they got leaked at the end of last week, and everyone on Twitter decided this was the worst thing ever created for getting, you know, like Miami Marlins, every jersey they've ever worn, just off the top of my head. Uh, my thought <laughs> upon viewing it was, yeah, that's a little plain, but, you know, it's not awful. Uh, it's certainly not, you know, a, a giant misstep or anything. And yeah. uh, when looking at kind of the full ensemble that they unveiled, uh, I think, yeah, I, I like it, actually. I, you know, I do think the Wrigleyville script is a, a little, they probably could do a bit more with it, but I get that they're emulating the marquee, so I get where that comes from. I do kind of think that, you know, since the theme of the, the uniform is all 77 neighborhoods, the fact that they chose Wrigleyville, which technically isn't an official neighborhood, is odd, but that's me being a Chicago meatball. And I get, yeah. I, I get that if they took the field wearing jersey that said Lakeview, everyone outside of Chicago would go, what the hell is that? Um, right. Their campaign, where they kind of teased it uh, at the end of last week, where the Cubs did, kind of gave me a little hope 
that because they emphasize the all 77 part that maybe they're planning to have like every Jersey be a different Chicago neighborhood. And I think that would be like immensely cool. Like if they pulled out one where somebody was wearing a Jersey that said Edgewater, where I live, for example, like I hold me back from buying that, honestly. Right. And if any player took the field wearing a Jersey that said Cubs Jersey, that said Bridgeport, that would be master trolling. That would be Mike drop. What uh, is uh, you're going to have to explain that one to me. Bridgeport is the neighborhood where Sox park is located. Ah, uh, okay. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, the Sox city uniforms are very cool. Yes, yeah. Those, those, those are, are badass. Well, I'm sure that's probably part of it, too, is the Sox already unveiled a badass one. And so I think a lot of people were primed to think, well, the Cubs are just going to disappoint when they do. I mean, I, I wonder if the, if Tony LaRusse is upset about the unwritten rule that you're not supposed to look cool playing baseball, but, you know. <laughs> I think uh, Tony LaRusse, if that's the case, is just going to ask the other team to throw at your mean Mercedes more, and he'll be fine with that. <sighs> really really hate him which is like i don't i don't know how you feel about the white Sox, but like i don't have any particular distaste for the white Sox. like i i hate the cardinals much more than i hate the white Sox. i I just they have a very fun group of guys but the fact that tony la russa is at the helm makes me inherently dislike them yes i i cannot root for the white Sox because there's a lot of mental scars from dealing with other kids in my childhood but right. I'm hopefully at the point where I'm mature enough where when they do well, like I'm happy for my friends, Jimmy and Fritz. And I tell them, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, this is great. Good on you guys. Uh, but yeah, La Russa is just every time I see him, it's like you are the antithesis of what makes baseball fun. And you actively try to make it a worse game. And yeah. you have a hall of fame career and you're a hall of famer baseball person. And they can't take that away. But a lot of that was also built on the acne-ridden backs of Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. And no one really wants to confront that with you. They just kind of give you a pass on that. So, like, even your best accomplishments are still kind of dickish. Well, and I think, if nothing else, like, if, if so much of what baseball is trying to do now is this whole, like, you know, just let the kids play. Larusa is perhaps the best example of someone who flies in the face of that attitude like unless clint hurdle were, were still managing i couldn't think of somebody who better represents that like old guard of baseball who's just seemingly annoyed by everything that is like any amount of having fun any amount of showing your personality any amount of of being flashy and and all of that and it's just i i could not think of a worse fit for that team and yet they're in first place so what the hell do i know i mean that's the level of talent that team has in first place with all those injuries they have to jimenez and roberts and guys like that And for years, the White Sox have been known to have one of the best and most well-manicured baseball fields of any park in the game. And I've always just kind of assumed, okay, that's just what they do. And now I realize they've kept up their field so long because when they brought La Russa back, he could just yell at everyone to keep off my grass. (sighs) Nice. That's a long way to go with that. that, But But we arrived. I know. We arrived, didn't we? We got there. He does does have big big Gran Torino energy for sure. Yes. (laughs) Uh, yeah, God, the, old Clint Eastwood is a good comp, I think. Eventually, Tony, uh, if they end up clinching the division, they're going to go inside the manager's office and find out he's yelling at a chair. Oh, my God. Oh, I had I had just forgotten about that. It, it had left my brain, and now it's back in there for at least another five years. So Some thank things you very never much leave my brain, unfortunately. Welcome to my world, Adam Amawala. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, before we go, uh, you got, you, yeah, on go the ahead. subject of uniforms, I did also want to touch on on Saturday, when the Cubs were in San Francisco, did you see the Giants' pride baseball caps and the pride patches they were wearing? 
I did. I thought they looked great. I like the they had like the armbands and everything. What did you think? Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. I wish every I where like catch up every other team. Yes. Yeah. When when they announced at the beginning of the week that this is what they were doing, like that was as as a gay baseball fan, a, a special moment where uh, mm-hmm. you know at the, at this point Pride nights around the game are in most in most markets that's kind of an expected part of the schedule now, which is incredible. Um, and it's great that so many teams are reaching out to their communities. Get with it, Rangers. But to see it, I'm sad to say that probably won't happen, but they, yeah, I mean, it, it, Houston's doing it for the first time this year. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but to see a team take that now extra step of taking the field and having every player wearing very prominent, uh, rainbow colors, not just the basic rainbow, but the progress pride flag that includes, brown and black stripes for uh, racial LGBTQ, uh, the black and brown populations, as well as the trans pride colors. I mean, that feels like we've arrived at a different place. We probably have not yet, but it definitely feels like we've taken yeah. a new step in baseball. And, and I would love to see that catch on around the sports going forward, I'd like to see the Cubs do that someday. And the Cubs for all the many awful faults the Ricketts family has, they do a pretty decent job of reaching out to mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community here uh, through the audit Wrigley promotion, especially. But I would anticipate that in the next couple of years, I, I would expect to see the Cubs do that at some point. Uh, it feels like, especially with Laura being one of the co-owners, it feels like that that's something that's, that they would have no problem with doing. No, I, I hope they do. And it was it was very cool to see. And, and I was certainly thinking about the fact that for for a certain type of ball player, including perhaps people on the on the Giants and, and unfortunately people on the Cubs, like, like mm-hmm. playing on a field where everybody's wearing rainbow uniforms and it says Vax up in gigantic font is probably <laughs> objectionable to people. Yeah. And and so be it. As, as you tweeted out, it, it's kind of a shame we didn't get to see Aubrey Huff's head explode. It is yes, it is. It is very much like uh, how I picture the how they how they uh, show <laughs> Neil Brennan in, in the infamous Chappelle show, uh, Black White Supremacist <laughs> sketch, mm-hmm. where he just yeah. his head literally explodes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought I thought they did a great job. Also, like it's very meaningful. But just from a purely aesthetic standpoint, those are awesome uniforms. Gorgeous. Like yes, like those really those cool are, looking uniforms. Yeah, those those are better uh, than like a lot of the alternate uniforms that teams use on a regular basis, for example, like I, I yeah. would love to see, like I, that's probably at this point, maybe a bridge too far yet, but I would love to see a team incorporate that as kind of a, a regular alternate Jersey just to, to reach out maybe if, during a few days during pride month, you know? Uh, but right. I believe the hall of fame is, is uh, asked for, I think uh, uh, Gabe Kapler's cap from that day and he donated oh. it. So there's going to, it's going to be on display in Cooperstown going forward. And yeah, it's honestly, if I had any connection at all to the Giants in a heartbeat, I'd buy a rainbow SF hat like that. Do you have any Cubs uh, pride gear? I think you do, right? Yes. Yeah, they, they, there's a couple of uh, shirts I've got. One with the CUBS logo that's all in rainbow colors and another with the, the crawling bear that just kind of has the rainbow outline around it. Uh, nice. So yeah, they, they are happy to take our money, as is every corporation this month. But, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean... Just in general, I'm usually happy to give it to them, unfortunately. Right. Right. Um, you got anything else? Uh, that's it on my list. So, uh, yeah, let's get them today and let's take the Cardinals this weekend. Hell yeah. 
Um, as always, you can follow us at Away Games Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're going to be putting up some more clips of our interview with Sarah Spain from ESPN, who uh, was an awesome guest. Uh, we, we have some really fun clips from that, so thank you again to Sarah. Make sure to follow her as well. And uh, once again, I'm going to get it right this time, Ken Schultz underscore on Twitter. Yes. Um, and then, and then uh, I, it's just at, at Outsports, correct? Yes, yeah, out, at Outsports. Uh, I publish a couple pieces a week. Uh, I'm continuously updating our list of Pride Nights across MLB for this entire month. We're now up to, I believe, 21 with the Orioles just announcing one yesterday. So I'll be putting that on later this week. So uh, keep checking back. for that, That's your resource for finding out about MLB Pride in June. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody.